0: For those of us who are Gen X and older, if we're not paying attention, we're gonna lose our talent before they've even had a chance to, to feel a sense of connection and a sense of belonging in our companies.
1: Hey, what's happening everybody? I am Larry Roberts, and this is another awesome episode of the Readily Random Podcast. Today I am joined by Morag Barrett. She's a highly accomplished keynote speaker, a leadership development expert, and she is the best-selling author of Cultivate the power of winning relationships, and the future-proof workplace. With no further ado, let's go ahead and just jump right into the conversation. Morag, welcome to the show. Hey, Larry, it's great to be here. And again, it's great talking to you. We, we've we've kind of had a call previously, kind of got to know each other. I loved your energy, what you brought to the table, and some of your insights into just being a CEO of a large company and how to prepare yourself accordingly for a constant change, a constant constantly evolving environment.
0: Oh my goodness. I mean 2020 talk about a leadership crucible for all of us. I don't know. Did you see it coming? I didn't.
1: I did not see it coming, but I'm thankful that it came. And I know Ooh. for some people that would be you know, what? You what? COVID, you were happy about COVID. I'm not happy about COVID, but the opportunities that came out of a global pandemic. Believe me, if we look at things from a little different perspective, we might be able to see some some opportunities that weren't there originally.
0: Oh, I agree. I mean, the silver lining is I think about SkyTeam and the work we were doing. I'll, be, I'll let you into a little secret. Means. When it came to virtual facilitation, I was a little bit of a snob, which being British, obviously we do snobbery quite well. The national pastime. But I had always looked at delivering virtually as being the second-class citizen to in-person learning. And if you're going to be a leader, the best way to lead humans is to learn with other humans. Well, 2020 turned that upside down. And I am so grateful. I mean, my home office now looks like a mini uh, film studio, like many people's. But I now recognize that done well, and that's the difference, there are still some sucky uh, virtual <laughs> meetings and presentations going on out there. But thankfully, thankfully, my team and I have elevated and it's going to be part of our curriculum and program design going forward. So that's my silver lining. You know, there, and I Aaron. think that's,
1: that's great that you point that out because I think online learning is a viable alternative to learning in person. <laughs> However, there are definitely those courses or that coursework that is counterintuitive to what you're trying to accomplish. You're not going to engage the student if it's not done correctly. You're not gonna keep the attention of your audience if you don't find some way to leverage that platform in a creative way. What are some of the ways that you've seen?
0: Yeah, well, it's just that. I mean, the theory is great. The platform and the bells and whistles that are available with technology are amazing and can make it effortless, but it means nothing if you and I, when we hit the red button or we get to the end, don't do something with it. And when it comes to cultivating our relationships at work, when it comes to nurturing that sense of team, it isn't rocket science. It's kind of common sense. You know, call me, see how I'm doing. Um, Check in occasionally. But the reality is, and what I'm hearing from the leaders I'm working with as executive coach or with their teams is that in the rush to react to covid to the rush to grab your bags and work from home, people, the less effective leaders, did not give as much intention to how work was going to get done and how were we going to nurture that sense of team through a two-dimensional camera. Well, and
1: I, I know that was one of the biggest concerns because I heard it time and time again of how working from home may be a practical solution, but we lose so much working from home. I personally disagree, but the biggest argument that i often heard was that how are you going to have that spontaneous that spontaneous creativity or that spontaneous problem solving by bumping into sally in the hallway going oh hey by the way sally i've been meaning to talk to you about x or how are you going to rekindle that and recapture that in an online environment is that a concern that you faced as well
0: absolutely i was talking to the leader of a technology company only last week who was recognizing it's the horizontal relationships that are becoming more fractured, and it's creativity and innovation that's suffering because of those, hey, Larry, I'm working on this. I know you've done something similar. Can you tell me your thoughts? And I've seen a number of different ways of responding to it. I mean, I've got clients who have cleared the decks, who are saying no meetings between you know 11 and 1 Eastern or after 3 o'clock at local time, to give people time to breathe and react and, and, and respond both to their family needs but also the work needs. I've seen other clients who've suggested, well, let's keep a permanent Slack channel open so we can have impromptu conversations, which the intent is great. And for some, it's going to be a fabulous um, option. But for others who need to get focused in their groove, that's like attending a meeting with no agenda. And every now and then you don't know when you're about to get distracted. And so here's what the best leaders are doing and where Sky Team and I are coming in is we're helping to sit down and recalibrate the rules of engagement because what worked in a three-dimensional relationship isn't just a lift and shift for two dimensions. and We need to be deliberate and thoughtful about how do we want to connect, what do we want our culture to be, and where do we need to reset expectations, whether it be on turnaround times, meeting cadence, one-to-ones, et cetera. So, I still feel a sense of connection even though I can't now just pop into your cube or see you in the break room.
1: Do you think that there, there's a need now for an even bigger need now to establish real relationships between coworkers? Because if, oh. when, when, you, when you have a little pop-up message from Slack or whatever instant messenger you happen to be using, if you don't really have a relationship with that person and they're asking you a question, they could probably get away with that in a in an office environment. Because you, you see them around the office, you know who they are, and you're gonna be respectful mm-hmm. and you're gonna be able to exchange ideas. But to see that in a Slack channel, you know, John from, from accounting or whatever just hits me up and asks me this, this question. I don't know, John from, from, from Adam. So how mm-hmm. am I gonna be inspired to put my best foot forward in helping in that arena? So So you're right. We got we gotta yeah. have the relationship.
0: We do. And if you're just a name on an email account, then you're probably going to go to the towards the bottom of my priority sure. list. But if you're a face and a name, if you're a conversation and a face and a name, then that makes a huge difference. And it, it, I'm talking about scheduled spontaneity. Maybe every Friday I spin the uh, network Rolodex in my phone and just give you a call. Or I look back at the, the requests I've had and I think, oh, well, Larry asked me for something. I've never actually met Larry. You know what? I'm just going to ring him. And whether you pick up or not doesn't matter. The fact that I leave a voicemail that says, hey, Larry, I hope what I sent to you helped you move your project forward. I just want to check in and see how your week was going. Now, when you pick that up, it's now making a deposit in the relationship bank account and it's moving us forward. The difficulty is with working remotely is those chance encounters, the things that we did effortlessly and subconsciously anyway aren't happening. And now, the only time I see you is on a Zoom call when you want something. So it's become much more trans transactional, and that human side, that sense of connection, isn't happening. and it and that's where leaders need to step up and help affect change. Otherwise, engagement suffers, turnover is going to go up because people are not trapped, despite what some leaders may think. And your creativity, innovation, your ability to sustain for the long term of Covid and a work remote is severely undermined.
1: Yeah, and and I I think a lot of leaders, I don't think they give enough credit to the amount of of creativity that's out there right now. I think they just Mm -hmm. assume that everybody's gonna hang around and now, oh, if we let them work from home, they'll be fine. And that's not necessarily Mm. the case. I mean, when I say that I was was thankful that a, a change happened, not thankful for a pandemic, but thankful for the opportunities that came out of the pandemic, I was able to, here's that word that I hate so much that we use too often, pivot. I was able to pivot. Oh. I hate that word too. <laughs> I loathe that word. I was able to change directions. And how do you like that? I, I avoided the word. I pivoted from the word pivot. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was able to change directions and I removed myself from the, uh, from the workforce completely. I, I, I took the entrepreneurial route. I jumped out because there were opportunities that arose that would not have been there. Now, they may have been there down the road, but they wouldn't have been there at that time if we weren't going through what we're going through now.
0: So, happy birthday to me. Sky Team is going to be 14 years old in April, and we are a permanently virtual team. Because I decided, well, why buy an office when 90% of the time I would be on an airplane or delivering a program for a client somewhere in the world? So, for me, the work from home was not new. I had all of the equipment and set up. But there's a difference between choosing to work from home and having to mm-hmm. work from home. Mm-hmm. Even if I think about my own business, as I think about new client relationships, they happened in chance encounters at the airport, on the airplane, face-to-face with my clients over dinner. All of that has gone. Right Now, the upside is for my clients who are, I've got a, a colleague who is a, the only remote member of a senior executive team. She would dial in to those meetings and invariably be the only one on the Zoom camera. Well, the pandemic has leveled that playing field. We're all dialing in. But again, the were we set up? Do I still yet have all of the equipment I need 12 months in? There are many people who are working on the kitchen table who don't have the luxury of a separate room that they can set up permanently as a, a workspace who are juggling not only is my boss expecting me to be online at 8 a.m., but that just happens to be when the virtual schools start and I've got three three kids that I need to get checked in. And so now we've got that tension. And so the best leaders, they're recognizing that, they're making it safe for employees to say, you know what, I can log on at 8.30, but not before. Or I can't work between 11 and 1 because of X, Y, and Z, but I'm going to be making up the time 7 till 9 at night which means we're moving from a managing by walking around Mm -hmm. approach or leading to a managing by results. Again, set me my goals, be clear about deliverables, but now let me treat me like an adult and let me decide how and when I do it, given everything else that we're all learning to do in this co-braided environment.
1: You know, and that's what people scream for, for years, decades, even Mm -hmm. why, why do I have to be here between eight to five? I can't even start my, my wife, for instance, she works in accounting. She can't do yeah. anything on Mondays till around 1030 in the morning because she's waiting on another one of our, our I still say our, because we both worked at the same company. And even though I don't work there anymore, I still feel attached sometimes. But <laughs> <laughs> our, our the New York office does certain certain things in the accounting department on Monday mornings, mm-hmm. which, of course, my wife can't do anything on, here in Texas until they finish. So she still has yeah. to be at work at 8 a.m., but she literally cannot do her job till roughly 1030. So what's the point in her being there?
0: Well, yeah. And you're you're highlighting a couple of the pain points that I discuss in the Future Proof Workplace, because the nine to five or the eight till six of a corporate environment where your jacket's on the back of the chair and that shows your commitment and loyalty, those are 19th century habits that have leached over into the 20th century. And we need to be in 21st century that need to be changed. And of course, when we're working from home, it doesn't make sense. When we're a 24 seven global economy that's following the sun, it really doesn't make sense. And it's having the systems and the processes that trust me if I'm delivering my results, does it matter if I do it between 1030 and two or whether I do it at eight o'clock on the nail? until 10 o'clock, so long as we're moving the business forward. And that's what we need, especially in this environment, is to bring the human back into the workplace.
1: So going back to your book, what what do you consider future-proofing? What does that even mean?
0: Future-proofing. So as I look at and the research that we did to remain relevant in the 21st century, lifetime continuous learning. Because there are jobs now that didn't exist in the 1980s when I joined the workforce because I'm that old. And there are jobs that are going to be created and exist in a few years that we can't even imagine. So remaining up to date, remaining relevant, that's what's key. Being able to flex and pivot from a, I go to work to work is part of my life and balancing those is going to continue to be important. And in the book, we talk about five Uh, five different areas that are impacting the where, what, and how of careers that are changing things for the 21st century.
1: You know, and I think that's, well, first off, let me back up just a little bit. I I also had a job in the 80s. So, you know, I I can relate. So, yeah. Twins. (laughs) (laughs) I entered the work. I think it was 87, maybe 88 at the latest. Oh, yeah. You
0: and I. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. we were
1: probably right there together. So, but again, thinking of careers going forward, I, I think it's it can be intimidating, especially if, if you're like, a, what are they, Generation Z now? Is that where we're at, Generation mm-hmm. Z? Yeah. So they're looking forward, and they're going, what am I going to do? How are careers going to be redefined? Because honestly, it's in the air right now. It, it really is. We don't really know how this is going to play out. Is this, this current environment that we work in day to day? Is this the future, or and and not even from just a COVID (laughs) perspective? Not because we don't think COVID is going to be around forever, obviously. Uh, At least we hope not, right? But the concepts that have come into play—do you think that even in a pandemic-free environment, will we continue to see this type of take on corporate uh, environments?
0: Absolutely. I mean, you think about it. You're making a living as a podcast host.
1: Are you making fun of me? Nineteen. no, I am
0: applauding. You are a CEO <laughs> in your own lunchtime, and I can tell by your office paraphernalia just how high powered you are. But think about it: if you had described your office setup now, yeah. if you had described that you're going to make money by hosting a radio show yeah. back in the eighties, people would have looked at you as if you'd got two heads and were crazy.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: now. What you're doing at a local level but with an international reach is no different to any radio show that one of the big producers would have been putting on back then. Well, this pace of change isn't slowing down, and what's happening for the Gen Zs, they are so more technically literate and so more, more clued in. If I'm not getting what I need from my current employer, then it's a matter of just a couple of clicks and I'll find my next opportunity and I'll leave. And that's where, if for those of us who are Gen X and older, if we're not paying attention, we're going to lose our talent before they've even had a chance to, to feel a sense of connection and a sense of belonging in our companies.
1: Yeah, it's interesting to see that that flexibility or or that culture is the way it exists now. I, I used to tell people, and it's funny now, but back when I, was, I entered the workforce in my teen years, even up to my early 20s, probably, I would quit a job like that. Mm-hmm. Y- what? You piss me off? I'm gone, right? You want me to clean mm-hmm. what? No, I'm not doing that. And I would I would literally just walk off. I had more jobs by the time I was 20 than I had years on the planet because it was just that simple to get another one. I could go next door and I'd have a job. Now, with this remote environment that we live in, as you just pointed out, it's the same way, but on a corporate level, on a professional oh. level, you know, on a career level, How do you as a leader, how do you as a CEO, how do you head that off at the pass? Well, there's two ways. There's the how do you head it off? And if you've decided
0: you want to leave your current employer, how do you find that next opportunity when you don't have the chance for the coffee meetings and the interviews as was? So first of all, how do you head it off at the pass? It's when you call me, don't just ask, what am I doing? Ask, how am I doing? Make sure that you are uh, reaching out to me before you need something and maintaining that sense of connection. So it is nurturing the relationships. And there's twofold, because in finding your next opportunity, whether it's a promotion within your business or a promotion or leaving and joining a new company, your network is invaluable. It is one of your strongest career assets in terms of elevating and accelerating your career. So, again, it goes back to our earlier conversation. If you're sitting here and you're thinking about somebody you worked with in the past, if you're thinking about a colleague, I challenge you, send them a message that says, hey, I'm listening to this podcast episode, and they were talking about the importance of relationships at work, and for whatever reason, I thought of you. I just wanted to check in and see how you're doing. That already elevates you head and shoulders above other leaders or other colleagues who are just focusing on got your numbers, got your numbers. Are you at your desk?
1: Yeah. It's it, it, it's funny because they have that saying that says your network is your net worth, right? It, mm-hmm. it couldn't be more true today. And I think we're seeing that, especially if you start looking, if you step back from corporate America and you start looking at some of the other influences that we are bombarded with every day, you know, right now we're sitting in a clubhouse heavy environment. Mm-hmm. What's happening on Clubhouse and Clubhouse, and why is it happening in the first place? Who would have ever thought that this platform that's vocal only—it's only for your voice. There's no pretty pictures. Nobody cares about what you ate for lunch. Nobody's doing. It's your voice to create relationships, Mm -hmm. and they're real relationships. They're they're deep relationships because why? Because you can insert emotion with your voice. You can, you can insert a real connection. You can understand inflection. How many times have we misunderstood an email or misunderstood a text and mm. and, and it upset us? Odds are you're not going to misinterpret someone's you know, <laughs> the way someone speaks you to you when you can hear them. Sure, it's great if we could see them too, but that's, that's taking it too far. I think that's one of the things that makes Clubhouse so tremendous right now as well. We can't see each other. You know, I, I was watching one of the videos on Clubhouse this morning, and and uh, uh, what was it, Coach Deb, at Coach Deb was her name, and she was talking about how y- you don't have to be lipstick ready in order to jump mm-hmm. on and start making connections. Yeah. So you don't have to get all dolled up or put on your, your your work clothes or whatever it may be to get on Clubhouse and really start working. Exactly. You can carry on work in this environment. So we need to be able to take that same type of, of, of relationship culturing environment and bring that to the home front.
0: Yeah. I mean, what I like about Clubhouse is it's the spontane- spontaneity as well, that you can pop into different rooms and make connections. You can just sit and listen and learn. So it's an interesting dynamic and it's different to the endless Google Zoom meet Teams hangout thing that we're being sucked into right now.
1: And I think that's the difference, though. I think that's what what really sets it apart. How can we learn to implement some of these tools to help cultivate a overall um, more productive environment in our own companies?
0: So there are three questions that I, in the last couple of weeks, have been starting to use and in, incorporate into the keynotes that I've, I'm delivering. Question number one is to ask yourself, how do you want others to feel in your presence? but also how do you want to feel in your own presence when you're on your own, you know? So there's two parts there. But how do you want people to feel? Um, what do you want them to be saying about you? And then the second question is, are you intentional about how you are showing up? So if you want people to feel inspired, are you sharing the good news stories? Are you setting a vision for what you and the team are trying to achieve? Are you celebrating successes? If you want them to feel secure, are you having the one-on-ones? Are you checking in on how are they doing versus what are they doing? So question one is, how do you want others to feel in your presence? Question two then is, are you being intentional about how you show up? And then question number three is, did I do my best? and I'm actually just crafting a LinkedIn blog on this right now because we're all human. You're going to mess up. You're going to send an email that somebody misinterprets and gets upset about, or you're going to say something that you meant as a joke and it lands poorly. Maybe you forget to communicate a key deadline to one of your team and therefore the project's at risk. And in those moments of, did you do your best? If the answer was yes, then let it go. Stop angsting over it, but change your game tomorrow. And if the answer was no, I forgot to communicate that deadline, or yeah, I could have worded that email better. Then, man up, woman up, apologize, and again, change your game because tomorrow is a brand new, fresh start. So, those are the three questions, Larry. Um, how do I want others to feel in my presence? Am I being intentional about how I show up? And then, ultimately, did I do my best?
1: And do you answer those for yourself?
0: I do. I do. And I'm just writing about that. So it's a new habit, just five, 10 minutes at the end of the day. You don't have to write it down. I'm not a journaler, but I think about it. How do I want others to feel? Did I create that environment? Um, Did I speak when I should? Did I listen appropriately? And I turn the dial up or down. And then finally, did I do my best? And that's all we can all do is do our best, especially in these current times.
1: Each and every day, that is exactly all that we can do. Mm -hmm. So Rick, tell us about your books. You have two books that you have. Uh, one is social proofing, the workplace, uh, social proofing. One is future proofing the workplace. Don't social proof. It is social proofing itself. No social proofing here. So, uh, and then the other is out of culti- is is on cultivating uh, a positive workforce. Tell us about both of those and, and where we can get them and, and uh, how we can learn more about both.
0: Well, they're everywhere if you care to go look. So the Future Proof Workplace, I co-authored with Dr. Linda Sharkey, and as I say, explores the new where, what, and how of work and careers in the 21st century, and shouts and shares some of the things that we need to be letting go of that is essentially slowing us down.
1: Such as? And then,
0: such as, oh, you've put me on the spot right now. Well, the desire to go into the office nine to five. That would be a classic. Um, The fact that we need to focus on values, value-driven organizations and care, not just about the dollars, but also thinking about the ripple effect for employees and for the communities in which we work. That is coming through loud and clear in the 21st century, both as employees, what drives people to come and work for you, but also consumers who's going to buy your stuff is, (laughs) do I believe in it? Does it align with my values? So there you go. So that's the Future Proof Workplace. And then Cultivate, The Power of Winning Relationships. It is the guidebook for how to diagnose the health of your professional relationships and more importantly, take ownership to show up as an ally and nurture those relationships even when we're working in two dimensions. Because here's what I've learned in 30 years. It doesn't matter what industry you are in. There is no product or service that cannot be undermined by a lack of investment in your professional relationships, because it turns out that business is personal and relationships matter.
1: Man, that is so on point with everything that I say regularly. There, you mm-hmm. you can't emphasize the power of relationships, and and I don't think people really continue to grasp how critical it is that that's number one. That is the key And mm-hmm. growing relationships by connecting others and by reaching out and by just following through and following up and making sure that people understand that they are the forefront and they are what matters more than anything else. And I, th- I think if, if this environment of, of COVID or this environment of pandemic has taught us anything, it's that people do matter and relationships do matter. And each and every one of us want to know that others realize that.
0: Hmm. So I've got a challenge for the people listening to this podcast. Yeah, think about a colleague, a colleague you may be working with now, but a colleague you'd jump at the chance to work with again. Just think about them right now. What made them special? And here's my double dog dare challenge. I want you now to pick up the phone, send them a text, a LinkedIn message or a message to the universe that says, hey, I was listening to the podcast. The guest said, Morag said, I had to think of somebody and I thought of you and here's why. And I guarantee if you send that message, you will either rekindle or strengthen that relationship in ways you can't even imagine. So do it. Who's the colleague you jump at a chance to work with? Who's the colleague you enjoy working with now? Go on then, get on the phone, get on the Slack channel, get on the LinkedIn message, however you want to do it, but let them know that's the first step in cultivating winning relationships.
1: And I can't wrap up the episode any better. So, Morag, thank you so very much for those challenges. And I hope and I wish that everyone would take this opportunity and do exactly what Morag just suggested you do. Reach out, establish those relationships, build your network, and continue to grow and thrive and cultivate a positive workforce. Morag, thank you once again for everything. I really appreciate it. Where can people find out more about you?
0: They can find me on LinkedIn and I respond to all the messages and it's the advantage of a, a fairly unusual name but they can also find me at my official home which is skyteam skye team.com
1: So tell us about the name cuz it is a very unique name so what, what my name yes. or
0: the company name? Well, no, name?
1: Sky Team. I, that's that. You threw the e on there too, but I think that's just a, that's a European thing, right? I mean, is that a British thing? Uh,
0: well, that would be the U's and the S's, Larry. However, <laughs> the story is: so I am Morag MacLeod. Morag is a, a Scottish name that means it's Gaelic for great. So Morag MacLeod. The clan MacLeod is based on the Isle of Skye, which is on the west coast of Scotland. And Sky Team, because that's what we do. We build high-performing teams, and we are a high-performing team. So that's the connection between Morag and Sky Team.
1: That is great. Honestly, it is. Thank you so very much, Morag. I appreciate everything. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye.